This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for FRAC, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. Folks, today we are very privileged to be having a conversation with Lee Lee Abrams, the Emerging Renewable Fuels Senior Business Leader at Honeywell. And she is also a doctor in chemistry. The timing of this is perfect because there are so many conversations going on right now on e-fuels and specifically around sustainable aviation fuels. So Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for addressing this topic for my audience. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. So Lee, I've got a million and one questions for you around SAF, but first, before we get into it, just tell my audience, what is SAF? SAF? is sustainable aviation fuel. And what makes it sustainable or or different than uh, standard jet fuel is the source of uh, the original carbon that goes into that fuel. Now, there's several ways to get there. Um, Typically today, sustainable aviation fuel, or what I'm going to call SAF from here on out, is made from fats, oils, and greases. Think of this as like used French fry oil from a restaurant. Um, But we're looking at a lot of different things that we could turn into sustainable aviation fuel and in particular into what we're calling ESAF or an electrofuel version of sustainable aviation fuel that doesn't come from a biological source like typical sustainable aviation fuels do. So let's dig into that a little bit further. ESAF, you said again, ESAF was... Once again, it, so it's an electrofuel. So that electrofuel. Yep. Yeah. What does that mean? That it's coming from renewable electricity, water, and CO two. That's it. Ah. Okay. You say that's it like it's simple. <laughs> For simple. the rest of yeah. us, it's not, <laughs> not simple. Okay. At so. All. I, th- I think what's important to understand is when we're, we're talking about SAF, we're talking about ESAF, the first question I have for you is, what is the business driver behind all of this? And with those business drivers, why are we doing this? What is the strategy to move forward in developing the ESAF? Yeah. So the, the real driver here is sustainability. 
it is reducing the greenhouse gas emissions for aviation in particular. Um, that is the overwhelming driver for this technology. And we see that manifested through things like the uh, refuel EU aviation uh, legislation, which is mandating a certain amount of SAF used in airplanes in Europe and a certain amount of ESAF used. Beyond that, you've got the U.S. Department of Energy's uh, target for 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel produced by 2030. Uh, and that number only increases when we look out to 2050. So the business driver for this is finding ways to meet those government ambitions and the voluntary commitments that various corporations and individuals have made to uh, have less of an impact on the environment with their day-to-day -day operations. So what you just said sounds actually a little bit scary, that there are these tremendous ambitions, but do we have a sufficient supply to meet that? And if we don't today, do you think that eventually we will? How big is, if there's a gap, how big is that gap? So that gap is pretty big, right? Today, I believe that global aviation fuel demand is something like, uh, a little bit over 7 million barrels per day uh, of jet fuel. And that is targeted to continue increasing um, over the next several decades as we, um, you know, continue want to want to go visit family, uh, ship things around the world. Uh, that all requires fuel. And today, the amount of sustainable aviation fuel uh, is less than a tenth of a percent of that annual demand. So we've got wow. a long way to go and we need to accelerate to be able to meet those ambitions. And so this technology, the, the UOPE finding, which makes those electrofuels, as well as the other sustainable aviation fuel production technologies that Honeywell offers, are all you know, really targeted at how do we meet that, the scale of that ambition? Because the technology that we have today, which is eco-fining, that's that French fry oil or fat soils and greases getting converted into a jet fuel, uh, that doesn't meet the world's demand alone. So we need to look for other technologies that can get us there. Do you have examples for us? <laughs> I do. Of uh, other technologies. So... This has really been one of the focus areas for Honeywell over the last couple of years because we've seen this shift change from renewable diesel production to interest in sustainable aviation fuel production. And that led us to commercialize a new technology, which is ethanol to jet, uh, which is very descriptive. It does exactly what it says. It takes ethanol, which is a <laughs> widely available bio-based product and enables the conversion of that into sustainable aviation fuel. Now, this is great because if you start thinking about what is the future of EV adoption and the overall demand for gasoline, that's going to start to decrease. And as that decreases, there's already a new uh, application for that ethanol that we have a lot of installed capacity for. 
And that means that rather than having to build a new ethanol plant and a new uh, sustainable aviation fuel plant, you just have to build one of those. So that allows for faster adoption of additional volumes of sustainable aviation fuel. But it doesn't stop there. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That didn't sound like a sufficient amount of of response to the big problem. That's right. So, So that solves a big chunk of it, but it doesn't get us all the way to that uh, I think it's 9.1 million barrels per day of jet fuel used in 2050. So think of that as, as our target. How do we get to okay. even a fraction of that being sustainable aviation fuel? We need additional technologies. So we started with fats, oils, and greases. We looked at ethanol as an abundant feedstock. But what's the most abundant feedstock that we have out there? It's CO2. And so that's what the UOPE finding technology is really doing, is it's targeting those feedstocks that are so abundant that they're going to help us, you know, meet those targets for sustainable fuel. Are we seeing a different level of emphasis coming from different regions of the world? Yeah, absolutely. So... If you look at recent regulatory uh, initiatives, uh, Refuel EU aviation uh, legislation in Europe has just been introduced. Uh, Well, it was introduced a while back, but uh, they've they've kind of reached an agreement on that in the last couple of weeks, which mandates ESAF specifically, because in Europe, there's uh, a little bit more reserved approach to using uh, crop-based fuels uh, under the Renewable Energy Directive. So they're really focused on what they can do without the use of those crop-based fuels, which ethanol to jet would fall under. So in Europe, uh, UOPE finding is really a critical solution to be able to deliver those volumes of e-fuel. So that makes sense that this is something that you are focusing on at Honeywell is to be able to come up with and advance those technologies that allow us to expand the feedstock base that is required to get to that 9 million gallons of aviation fuel that we barrel, sorry, 9 million, good grief, right? Times 44, uh, 42, that it's going to take us to, to get there. Do do we see anything that is or the biggest challenge to holding this back? And I would the one that would come to mind and you can argue with me, the one that would come to mind is the competition for feedstocks in the market. Right? Cuz SAF is not the only type of renewable fuel that the world needs to chase after. So, but what challenges do you see in us being able to really move forward? You know, I think that that challenge is actually what drove us to develop some of these new technologies. When you look at triglyceride-based feeds, those are those fats, oils, and greases that our eco-finding process can convert. Um, There's a lot of renewable diesel plants and capacity out there today. And 
sustainable aviation fuel will be competing for feedstock with those renewable diesel uh, plants. That's why we really started looking at what else can we turn into jet fuel. Uh, and that's how we got to ethanol to jet. And that's how we got to UOPE finding is what's a what's a broadly available uh, feedstock where that no longer becomes a limitation. Now in UOPE finding, that absolutely means that you'll also see a scale up and scale out of green hydrogen capacity. Because in UOPE finding, what you're doing is you're taking CO2 um, that you've captured from some source and you're combining it with hydrogen that's been made from water electrolysis. So you take renewable energy, you take water, you do that electrolysis, you get what we call green hydrogen or hydrogen that you know has a lower carbon impact. That's the feedstock for this process. Ah, fantastic. Any chance you can give us an idea of projects or installations right now where we're actually seeing this come to life? Or is this just in the, the design stage or the development stage? So I, I'm really excited to talk about the first uh, implementation of the UOPE finding technology, which is at a facility that HIF Global is planning in the United States. Now, HIF is a, you know, basically a leader in electrofuels, and this is their second full-scale U.S. facility, um, but it's the first one that's making ESAF. All of their other facilities have uh, so far been targeted at gasoline. So this movement into uh, sustainable aviation fuel as a focal area, to me, is a very exciting development. Is it a partnership that Honeywell has with HIF? Are you guys providing, you guys are providing the technology and they're yep. providing the ability to use the technology? Yeah, they're, they're the, the first adopters of this technology and they are implementing this at what I consider a world-class scale because this is the largest ESAF production facility announced in the world today. Wow. And I'm certain that we're going to see other announcements. Can we add into our show notes some an, a link to that particular project for my listeners to dig into a little bit further if they want more information? Absolutely. Wonderful. So if you can provide that for me uh, after the show, we're going to put that in the show notes. If Lee, if you had anything that you are, as a, an expert, as an innovator, technologist, scientist in this space, that you want the world to know and to understand, what would that be? And it could be anything from, and it could be not just one thing, it could be three things. It could be anything from understanding the market. It could be anything from understanding the technology, uh, anything at all. What would that be? We have to move faster. That's it. 
Um, this is, <laughs> I, I know you, you asked me for three, but I gave you only one. Um, that's fine. So one of my, one of my previous jobs at Honeywell was looking at the, uh, energy transition holistically with every technology out there. And the biggest takeaway to me is the earlier we adopt these technologies, the more we do this decade, the better off we will be at meeting the objectives of the uh, Paris Agreement and everything else that we have as a sort of a global ambition. So to me, projects like the HIF Global Project are really important because this is implementing technologies at scale. That's, you know, that's really what we're here to do is not just to create new technologies, but create new technologies that work at a scale that it really makes an impact. That makes a lot of sense because we have, as, as a world, we have made commitments to become more sustainable countries, organizations, the United Nations, right? Uh, individuals have been making commitments to sustainability and the conversations of late at a lot of these conferences where we come together to share information and thoughts is there's this sense of urgency that we've made commitments, we've put goals out there, and did we bite off more than we could chew? Are we really able going to be there? And I don't think that there's a, there's a good many number of people and organizations that have made commitments, not in, in a dishonest way. It's like they really, truly want to get there. But now I feel that there's this sense of urgency of how are we actually going yeah. to get there? Do you get and, to have that same feeling, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that my mandate is to bridge that gap to say, okay, we've got our ambition, we've got our goal set, and we want to get there. How do we do it? Those are the technologies that I want to be working on, are the technologies that get us there. Um, and sustainable aviation fuel is, I think, a really interesting example of that, because this is a technology that you can use today that is already in use today, that we just need to keep scaling up the capacity for. That's different than trying to come up with something that might be a, a, you know four Nobel Prizes away from uh, being implemented, <laughs> right? This is something that we can do today that exists as a solution. It's a drop-in replacement for uh, conventional jet fuel. Um, you have to blend it up to 50% with conventional jet today, but you can use it with existing infrastructure. You can use it without having to change what fueling looks like at an airport with what the planes look like. So that means that it's really a lot easier to start making progress down that pathway to that really big ambition that we have ultimately. Wonderful. Lee, this has been educational for me. I'm certain also for my audience. Thank you so much for coming and helping us understand this particular topic and also highlighting the commitment that Honeywell has to sustainability. Thank you for having me. Been, it's been great to talk to you. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast. 
a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.